Onesimus was a runaway cracked pot, broken by the cruelty of Roman slavery, plus poor personal choices that led to thievery. However, his name means useful or profitable. One of millions of slaves in the Roman Empire, Onesimus had stolen from his master, Philemon, and ran away to Rome. A runaway slave could receive the death penalty. While in Rome, Onesimus came to faith in Jesus Christ through an encounter with the Apostle Paul. Paul then writes a personal letter to Philemon, a wealthy businessman in Colossae, asking him to forgive Onesimus and receive him back as his brother in Christ. Are you a cracked pot who needs freedom, forgiveness, and a second chance? What God did for Onesimus, he can do for you. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. The Gospel According to Philemon on this weekend edition of Something Good. Hello and thanks for joining us for today's message with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, that might sound a little strange. The Gospel According to Philemon. But considering the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, and that it points so clearly to Jesus Christ, it turns out to be an accurate description. Ron takes us there today as he wraps up his teaching series, Cracked Pots, How the Glory of God Shines Through Our Brokenness. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org, where you can listen to the program on your schedule or make a safe and secure donation to the ministry. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, Here's Ron with part two of his message, Onesimus, Freedom, Forgiveness, and Second Chances. You know, uh, the name William Wilberforce, you know, we talk about uh, this British parliamentarian who spent his entire life railing against slavery in Britain, and it took a lifetime for that British parliamentarian to finally topple the, the British slavery system. In our own country, it took a civil war you know, to break, you know, the bondage of, uh, of slavery. And even then, it's taken uh, generations more to introduce civil rights so that what is written in our Constitution applies to everybody, that all men are created equal. And, and those two examples are within democracies, where you had the right to speak out through freedom of speech against your government, but that wasn't Rome at this time. If you spoke out against Rome and spoke out against Caesar, it meant certain death. And maybe, just maybe, Paul understood um, it, it, it would mean the gospel wouldn't advance. He always had a, a higher objective. It was a gospel objective. And Jesus understood, Paul understood, that the answer to the injustices of the world are never political answers. They're gospel answers. You change hearts through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll change the injustices. But if your answer is only political, ah, it's just a matter of time before the next regime comes and the injustice returns. That may be one example or one rationale. Another certainly is that in the Bible, and I'm speaking theologically here, slavery is a powerful, powerful metaphor to describe our condition apart from our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The Bible refers to us, apart from Christ, as slaves 
to sin. That's a New Testament uh, example from Romans chapter 6. But you can even go back into the Old Testament and to the slave system of Egypt. And the Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt for 400 years before God told an emancipator named Moses to go there and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. And you know the story in the Old Testament. It took a lot of coercion and a lot of convincing before Pharaoh finally let the Hebrew people go. And there's a gospel story in that. The story of the Hebrew people and the exodus from Egypt, their their freedom and their emancipation from slavery is a picture of our salvation, of coming out of the slave market of sin to be set free by the great emancipator who is Jesus Christ. And so... Uh, rather than railing on Paul that he didn't give a, you know, a political answer here, let's just understand, first of all, there's a gospel answer to this. And we start by understanding we are all Onesimuses apart from Christ, in bondage in the slave market of sin. And it's Jesus Christ who has come set us free. But not only are we all Onesimuses, the death penalty awaits us. You see, you can start in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But just a few chapters later, the bad news becomes worse. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. There was a death penalty that awaited Onesimus. Paul knew that. He was willing to appeal to the good nature and the godly grace of Philemon by sending Onesimus back But it was a risk because under Roman law, Onesimus had the authority to invoke the death penalty on Onesimus. And from a biblical and theological perspective, apart from Jesus Christ, we are under a death penalty. The wages of sin is death, friends. In fact, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, this, this grim reaper known as death came into the world through sin. Death wasn't part of God's plan. He's the creator of life, but but sin broke us. And death, if you want a technical answer, death is the separation of two things. Physical death is the separation of the spirit from the body. When we die, you know, absent from the body, we hope present with the Lord, but the body goes into the grave. The real you that is a spiritual person in a physical body not a physical person who happens to have a spiritual side to him. <laughs> no, you're, you're a spiritual being created for eternity that happens to be housed in a physical body. Death is when the spirit, the real you, leaves and departs. The Bible also talks about a second death in Revelation chapter 20. This is when those who have gone into eternity apart from Jesus Christ are one day separated from God forever in a place called hell. That's the second death. That's a result of sin. And we are born into this world inheriting a sin nature and inheriting a death penalty that is upon us. Now, that's bad news, isn't it? But here's where the bad news turns good. Number three, our sin was charged to Christ's account. (laughs) Look at Philemon Verses 17 and 18. This is where the gospel begins to emerge and the glory of God begins to shine through our brokenness. 
Paul says, so if you consider me your partner, Philemon, receive him as you would receive me. Okay, he's a brother in Christ. Verse 18, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Again, I say, are you kidding me? Who does this? I tell you who did it 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ did when he went to the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them, for I know not what, for they know not what they do. He, he in essence, said, charge their sin to my account. He took our death penalty. Charge their sin to my account. Wow. Imagine if you uh, had a credit card and you ran up a debt higher than a Montana or Texas sky. I mean, you, you were just so in debt. You, you couldn't even see the possibility of, of paying off that debt. But some wealthy benefactor who you didn't even know came along, put down his credit card and said, I'll pay for it. That's what Christ did. Charge it to my account. Uh, our sin was charged to his account. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 21 says it a different way. For our sake... He, that is God the Father, made him, that is Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, that's deeply theological, but that's the gospel in a nutshell. He made Christ sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's pretty powerful. Let that sink in a little bit. We are all Onesimuses. The death penalty awaits us. Our sin was charged to Christ's account. Fourth and finally, we are no longer slaves to sins, to sin, but we are. Now, we could fill that, in, that blank in a couple of different ways. Let's talk about this. One way is to back up the truck theologically, and Paul is gifted in doing that. He says we are no longer slaves to sin, but we could say... Uh, we are now slaves to righteousness. I am pulling language right from the text of Scripture found in Romans chapter 6. Turn with me there. You've got to see this. Still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Onesimus, Freedom, Forgiveness, and Second Chances right here on Something Good Radio. To hear any of Ron's messages on demand, visit somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, check out the new Something Good digital library, where you can search to find answers to your biblical questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. You can stream for free and on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you. And when you give your gift to Something Good Radio today, we'll thank you by giving you the complete audio download to the series you're hearing now, Cracked Pots, How the Glory of God Shines Through Our Brokenness. That's all six messages in Ron's teaching series, Cracked Pots, How the Glory of God Shines Through Our Brokenness. It's our way of saying thank you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245. 
Virginia Beats Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And now let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message. Onesimus, freedom, forgiveness, and second chances. From Philemon to Romans chapter 6, here's where Paul's backing up the truck theologically but not in a way we can't understand. He says very simply, verse 17, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. You see, You can either be a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness, one or the other. And and when Jesus Christ, the great emancipator, sets you free from the slave market of sin, it frees us up to say, I willingly of my own choice choose to be his bondservant. And I willingly and, and gratefully give myself to my Lord and my Master, Jesus Christ, who we always know will be kind and gracious and loving toward us. In fact, he's already demonstrated his generosity. So we could say theologically, we're, we're no longer slaves to sin, but we are, uh, we are slaves to Christ. Willingly, we're slaves to righteousness. Or we could you know, fill in the blank another way. And this is really the direction that Paul goes. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we're brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the the horizontal and very personal level to which Paul is appealing Philemon. Philemon, we're, we're brothers in Christ. And now Onesimus is a brother in Christ. Can you not find it in the good graces of your gospel-filled heart to forgive him, to set him free, to give the man a second chance. And here's where the application, again, gets very horizontal and very personal. I asked you earlier in the message, is there an Onesimus in your life? Is there somebody who has wronged you? Somebody who has maybe stolen from you, maybe somebody who walked out on a marriage, somebody who just did you stinking wrong. And that root of anger and bitterness has been growing deep and deeper and deeper in your heart. And maybe you fear even at holiday time that, you know, you might be staring across the Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner table or Easter dinner table down the road from one of those persons who hurt you. And you think that by withholding forgiveness, you're hurting that other person. No, you're hurting yourself. Bitterness and anger and unforgiveness is sort of like drinking poison and expecting it to hurt somebody else. It will rot your soul. And that person who wronged you has probably long since forgotten. They're doing just fine. And you think that by withholding forgiveness, you're the one that's in bondage right now. You're the one that's all caught up in that. And besides, you know, it's inconsistent in the Christian life to be a, a recipient of such grace and forgiveness and not to be a grace giver 
and a forgiver? Set the person free through forgiveness, and you'll be free indeed, because right now you're all bound up and in bondage. And the way to that kind of freedom is, is through forgiveness. Now, I will tell you, you don't have and neither do I have the human capacity to forgive that person who hurt you. I've, I've been wronged enough in my life, I could make a list right now. And I know I don't have the, the human capacity to forgive, not the way Jesus did. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Charge it to my account. I don't have the human capacity to do that, neither do you. But Jesus Christ gives you a new capacity. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. That old you, even the best new and improved you that still falls short of the glory of God and can't seem to find the capacity to forgive, old things are passed away. New things have come. And, and, and now, maybe today, maybe this season is the time for you to find the grace of Christ and that gospel goodness in your heart to forgive some Onesimus who has, who has wronged you. That sort of forgiveness is not only good for them, it's really, it's really good for you, it's good for me. Because now the poison, the toxins leave. <laughs> and now we're free, now we're free, and we're free indeed. Matthew West said, the truth be told, you know, we're all cracked pots, but we come in and we kind of act like we're not. How you doing today? I'm fine, never been better. Liar, come on now. We've learned better through Moses and Jacob and David and Mary Magdalene and now Onesimus. And it's time that we begin to embrace God's diagnosis of our condition, to tell the truth about ourselves, maybe tell the truth to somebody else in a confidential conversation. And let the truth set you free, uh, and, and to let the glory of God shine through you, to let the power of God flow through that brokenness in your life, even, even if it's a broken relationship over here, it's time for that. And, and, and if we do that as a, a church family and as a body of Christ, oh, this will be a healing place, a place of grace. A, 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 a safe place for broken people. I don't know about you, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. It's the kind of church I want to serve as a pastor. A safe place for broken people because we're all cracked pots, aren't we? Broken in one way or the other. Sometimes by other people's sinful choices that ripple into our life. Sometimes by our own sinful choices. But we live in a fallen world. We're cracked pots. But Jesus died on the cross to redeem us. Uh, let, let's let him complete his work, right? We're saved, but we are being saved. We're sanctified, but we are being sanctified. And day after day, he's shaping us and molding us into the image of his son, uh, restoring, as it were, the image of God that was defaced, though not erased, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And the more we let him do his, his work to throw up the scaffolding in our lives and, and begin the tedious work of uh, reshaping us and molding us, 
It's a relationship here, it's a relationship there, it's a confession here, a confession there. Let's let him do that work in us, individually, in our life groups, across the body of Christ here. We, we become that kind of place, <laughs> as, as Matthew West says, there won't be any room in our church because people are lining up at the door to be a part of a place like that. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, Onesimus, Freedom, Forgiveness, and Second Chances. Ron, I've got to say, and I'm sure I speak for others when I say it, this series has really encouraged me in my faith. The idea of God shining through us best, even in times when we're at our worst, well, it's a beautiful illustration of His power, His glory, and perhaps most of all, His mercy. Not only His mercy to us as cracked pots, but to all those around us who see the glory of God even in our weakness, maybe even especially in our weakness. As we put a bow on this series, any final thoughts? Well, thank you for those kind words, Brian. I do have a couple of thoughts here as we prepare to move on to another series. You know, if we were all perfect, sinless, spotless, Garden of Eden before the fall kind of perfect, God wouldn't need to shine through our weaknesses. Everyone would recognize his glory and his majesty flawlessly, so he wouldn't need to find ways to shine through the cracks or the broken places. There wouldn't be any. And one day, that's exactly the kind of world we'll live in. That's called heaven. And uh, it's, it's a world where there are no cracks and no scars, no tears, no chips, no holes, no questions about who God is, no sin, no darkness. But in the meantime, God has gladly chosen to reveal himself to the lost, and he has gladly chosen to allow us as believers in Jesus Christ the privilege of taking part in that revelation. We who are cracked and broken and vulnerable and sometimes rebellious, well, he has chosen us as Christians to show an unbelieving world that God uh, is more than able to redeem imperfect people and then call them sons and daughters and make them joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It is when we fail that the world can realize, if it only will choose to realize it, that we who call ourselves Christians were not redeemed because of our goodness, but we were redeemed in spite of our badness. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what we call good news. Because when we fail, Brian, when we fall down and admit that we have fallen down, well, the world has a far better chance of seeing the mercy and grace of God on display through the cracks we just created for having fallen. Now, I'm not suggesting that we deliberately sin so that grace may be applied to us and mercy and, and the world can see that on display. No, on the contrary, because of the grace and mercy of God shining through our broken places, we, we strive to be holy in the power of the Holy Spirit. But when we are weak, he is strong. When there's less of us, there's more of him. And that applies not only to our personal lives with him, but to all those who need to see the Jesus in us so that they might be led to the very redemption we ourselves have already found in him. Pastor Ron, thanks for those words of encouragement from your series, Cracked Pots, How the Glory of God Shines Through Our Brokenness. Now, Ron, Christmas Day is fast approaching. And I know you have a series beginning tomorrow that talks about the birth of our Savior and what it means to us as individuals 
and to the world in general. Tell us where you're headed tomorrow as you kick off your teaching series, The Gifts of Christmas. Well, Brian, one of my favorite parts of Christmas is giving gifts to the people I love. I'm sure you and many others out there uh, feel the same way. But of course, God is a giver too. John chapter 3 and verse 16 uh, says, For God so loved the world that he what? Well, he gave. Uh, Beginning tomorrow, I'll dive into what exactly he gave us. Uh, Not only the gift of a Savior, which of course is, is most important, but all the gifts that come our way because of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There are too many to mention, but I'll talk about some of them. And I can promise you this, some of God's gifts may surprise you. It all begins tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones kicks off his teaching series, The Gifts of Christmas. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.